0: The end of this unhappy chronicle is like its bad beginning, as each misfortune only reveals another, and another, and another, and only those with the stomach for this strange and bitter tale should venture any farther into the Baudelaire Onion. I'm sorry to tell you this, but that is how the story goes. The Baudelaire orphans would have been happy to see an onion, had one come bobbing along as they travelled across the vast and empty sea in a boat the size of a large bed, but not nearly as comfortable. Had such a vegetable appeared, Violet, the eldest Baudelaire, would have tied up her hair in a ribbon to keep it out of her eyes, and in moments would have invented a device to retrieve the onion from the water. Klaus, the middle sibling and the only boy, would have remembered useful facts from one of the thousands of books he had read, and been able to identify which type of onion it was, and whether or not it was edible. And Sonny, who was just scarcely out of babyhood, would have sliced the onion into bite-sized pieces with her unusually sharp teeth, and put her newly developed cooking skills to good use in order to turn a simple onion into something quite tasty indeed. The elder Baudelaire's could imagine their sister announcing, soup which was her way of saying, "'Dinner is served.' But the three children had not seen an onion. Indeed, they had not seen much of anything during their ocean voyage, which had begun when the Baudelaire's had pushed the large wooden boat off the roof of the Hotel Des in order to escape from the fire engulfing the hotel." as well as the authorities, who wanted to arrest the children for arson and murder. The wind and tides had quickly pushed the boat away from the burning hotel, and by sunset the hotel and all the other buildings in the city were a distant, far-away blur. Now, the following morning, the only things the Baudelaire's had seen were the quiet, still surface of the sea and the grey gloom of the sky. The weather reminded them of the day at Briny Beach, when the Baudelaire's had learnt of the loss of their parents, and their home, in a terrible fire, and the children spent much of their time in silence, thinking about that dreadful day, and all of the dreadful days that had followed. It almost would have been peaceful to sit in a drifting boat and think about their lives, had it not been for the Baudelaire's unpleasant companion. Their companion's name was Count Olaf, and it had been the Baudelaire orphans' misfortune to be in this dreadful man's company, since they had become orphans and he had become their guardian. Olaf had hatched scheme after scheme in an attempt to get his filthy hands on the enormous fortune the Baudelaire parents had left behind. And although each scheme had failed, it appeared as if some of the villain's wickedness had rubbed off on the children, and now Olaf and the Baudelaire's were all in the same boat. Both the children and the Count were responsible for a number of treacherous crimes, although at least the Baudelaire orphans had the decency to feel terrible about this, whereas all Count Olaf had been doing for the past few days was bragging about it. I've triumphed, Count Olaf reiterated, a word which here means announced for the umpteenth time. He stood proudly at the front of the boat, leaning against a carving of an octopus attacking a man in a diving suit that served as the boat's figurehead. You orphans thought you could escape me, but at last you're in my clutches. Yes, Olaf, Violet agreed wearily. The eldest Baudelaire did not bother to point out that as they were all alone in the middle of the ocean, it was just as accurate to say that Olaf was in the Baudelaire's clutches as it was to say they were in his. Sighing, she gazed up at the tall mast of the boat, where a tattered sail drooped limply in the still air. For some time Violet had been trying to invent a way for the boat to move, even when there wasn't any wind, but the only mechanical materials on board were a pair of enormous spatulas from the Hotel de Noumots' rooftop sunbathing salon. The children had been using these spatulas as oars, but rowing a boat is very hard work, particularly if one's travelling companions are too busy bragging to help out, and Violet was trying to think of a way they might move the boat faster. I've burnt down the Hotel des Olaf cried, gesturing dramatically, and destroyed VFD once and for all. So you keep telling us, Klaus muttered, without looking up from his commonplace book. For quite some time, Klaus had been writing down the details of the Baudelaire situation in this dark blue notebook, including the fact that it was the Baudelaire's, not Olaf, who had burned down the Hotel des V.F.D. was a secret organisation that the Baudelaire's had heard about during their travels, and as far as the middle Baudelaire knew, it had not been destroyed. Not quite, although quite a few V.F.D. agents had been in the hotel when it caught fire. At the moment, Klaus was examining his notes on V.F.D. and the schism, which was an enormous fight involving all of its members, and had something to do with a sugar bowl. The middle Baudelaire did not know what the sugar bowl contained, nor did he know the precise whereabouts of one of the organization's bravest agents, a woman named Kit Snicket. The children had met Kit only once before she headed out to sea herself, planning to meet up with the quagmire triplets, three friends the Baudelaire's had not seen in quite some time, who were travelling in a self-sustaining hot-air mobile home. Klaus was hoping the notes in his commonplace book would help him figure out exactly where they might be if he studied them long enough. And the Baudelaire fortune is finally mine, Olaf cackled. Finally? (laughs) I am a very wealthy man, which means everybody must do what I say. Beans, Sunny said. The youngest Baudelaire was no longer a baby, but she still talked in a somewhat unusual way, and by beans she meant something like, Count Olaf is spouting pure nonsense, as the Baudelaire fortune was not to be found in the large wooden boat, and so could not be said to belong to anyone. But when Sonny said beans, she also meant beans. One of the few things the children had found on board the boat was a large clay jar with a rubber seal, which had been wedged underneath one of the boat's wooden benches. The jar was quite dusty and looked very old, but the seal was intact, a word which here means not broken, so the food stored inside was still edible. Sunny was grateful for the jar, as there was no other food to be found on board, but she couldn't help wishing that it had contained something other than plain white beans.' It is possible to cook a number of delicious dishes with white beans. The Baudelaire parents used to make a cold salad of white beans, cherry tomatoes and fresh basil, all mixed together with lime juice, olive oil and cayenne pepper, which was a delicious thing to eat on hot days. But without any other ingredients, Sunny had only been able to serve her boatmates handfuls of a bland white mush, enough to keep them alive, but certainly nothing in which a young chef like herself could take pride. As Count Olaf continued to brag, the youngest Baudelaire was peering into the jar, wondering how she could make something more interesting out of white beans and nothing else. I think the first thing I'll buy for myself is a shiny new car, Count Olaf said. Something with a powerful engine so I can drive faster than the legal limit and an extra-thick bumper so I can ram into people without getting all scratched up. I'll name the car Count Olaf after myself, and whenever people hear the squeal of brakes, they'll say, Here comes Count Olaf. (gasps) Orphans, head for the nearest luxury car dealership. The Baudelaires looked at one another. As I'm sure you know, it is unlikely for a car dealership to be found in the middle of the ocean, although I have heard of a rickshaw salesman who does business in a grotto hidden deep in the Caspian Sea. It is very tiresome to travel with someone who is constantly making demands, particularly if the demands are for utterly impossible things, and the children found that they could no longer hold their tongues, a phrase which here means keep from...